It's Lucy Litch, and this is Tiny House Conversations. It's the Australian-based podcast where I interview experienced tiny houses, tiny builders, and adventurers in the tiny world, so you can discover how to create, build, and transition into tiny life. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about a wellness company whose products I've been using for many years, which I'll also have in my tiny house, and you might like to as well. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while and following along, or you know me personally, you'll know that health is super important to me. It's my number one value, and that includes a healthy home environment, especially a healthy tiny home environment. And Block Blue Light are an amazing company who supply specialty downlights, light bulbs, reading lamps, blue blocking glasses, and much more to help reduce your exposure to artificial light from all your devices, regular LED lights, and other unnatural sources of lighting, as well as electromagnetic fields or EMFs, especially at the wrong times of the day or night. Artificial light can impact our sleep and can contribute to other health effects, often unknowingly, which we'll cover in a future episode. And just like anything, the key is what impact this has on our health over the long term. Block Blue Light's products use amber and red lights or lenses, think sunset, candle, moonlight and fire vibes, which humans naturally would have been exposed to, especially in the evenings in our ancestral past. I especially love my clear crystal blue blocking glasses to wear during the day to work on my computer, as well as their light bulbs and twilight sleep lamps at night and their twilight red light torches for camping weekends away. And in my tiny home, instead of having regular LED downlights, all my downlights are amber ones from block blue light, which means I don't have to worry about exposure to unnatural blue light. And for someone who has had challenges with sleep for several years, I absolutely notice a difference in sleep when I use my specialty blue blockers, lamps and lights, which have been shown to support production of your sleep hormone melatonin for healthier sleep patterns. Now, the good news is Block Blue Light are offering you, a listener of the podcast, 10% off your order when you use my unique link and code. Just head over to tinyhouseconversations.com forward slash blue light and use the code THC podcast. That's THC for tiny house conversations to get your discount. I'll also put a link in the show notes for you for easy access. And if you haven't heard my tiny house conversation with naturopath Amy Skilton, all about reducing EMFs in your tiny home or any home, this includes reducing your exposure to blue light. So check out episode number 32, and I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. And stay tuned for a podcast all about reducing artificial blue light in your tiny home and why it's important for your health. Now, here's the intro for today's show. Hey, it's Lucy bringing you another episode of Tiny House Conversations. Joining me on the show today is Danielle Dooley, who is the custom designer for the tiny building company Designer Eco Tiny Homes, based on the south coast of New South Wales. Danielle and I worked together on the custom design of my tiny house, and from experience, I can say she's absolutely brilliant at what she does. I learned a lot from Danielle going through this process, and she really helped me to navigate things when I wasn't clear or sure how things could fit or if certain things would work. And in this conversation, we talk about some of the pros and cons of custom designing a tiny home versus buying one off the shelf, where to start and how to approach planning your custom design, 
some design considerations for the different areas and features of your tiny home, including bedroom, lounge space, kitchen, bathroom, storage, and cladding. What Danielle loves most about working on custom designs with people, some of the most challenging design problems she has to solve, and so much more. I really love this conversation and it reminded me of why I chose to go with Designer Eco to build my tiny home. I'm super happy with what we've created and I have the Designer Eco team to thank for it. They're fantastic to work with, their team are helpful, patient and kind, and their builds are high quality and absolutely stunning. So with all that being said, on to this tiny house conversation with Danielle. Hey, Danielle, welcome to Tiny House Conversations and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Danielle, you're the custom designer at Designer Eco Tiny Homes and we work together on the custom design of my own tiny house. And what I'd love to do in the conversation today is just give people an insight into the custom design process when working with Designer Eco, as well as some tips and considerations to help them approach the design of their own tiny home. So, no, first up, are you able to give us an overview of just what custom design actually is and then what can people expect when they go through that process? Definitely. One of the misconceptions about custom design with the tiny homes is that it's kind of an A, B or C option that people will be kind of given. The custom design at Designer Eco Tiny Homes is custom from the absolute ground up. So it's not like you'll be given option A or B for windows or option A or B for floor or whatever it might be, whatever element of the tiny. Um, It's really about me talking with the customer about what they want to get out of their tiny home, what they want to use it for, uh, where they want to put it and really understand all of that big picture stuff about the tiny home and then work with them to achieve it using everything we've got at our disposal. So it's really um, quite an involved process of, of understanding and creating a brief together with our client and then building it. Yeah, and, you know, that's one of the things that really, that was a big tick for me when it came to choosing you guys to work with because I personally wanted to be able to do high-level customization. you know, not just picking from a base model and then maybe just having a few different things that I can add as as extras. And so that's what I think like it's really valuable to to be able to have that that option for people. And I'm curious because you also have the option of people can buy a tiny off the shelf, like you also produce base models as well. So, From your perspective, what would you say are some of the pros and cons of going down the path of doing custom design versus just buying a tiny off the shelf? Well, I think it's really, it sounds obvious to say, but it's really about how important choice is to you when you're you're choosing a tiny and thinking about what you're going to use it for. How important is it to you? to decide exactly where the windows are or what kind of storage is available or how it accommodates X amount of people. We've got an incredible range of off-the-shelf tiny home options and they're kind of the -the off-the-shelf options are all ones that are tried and true and have been very successful and work wonderfully. 
So you can have a look at them on our website, but you might look through them and go, well, this doesn't suit me particularly or what I particularly want out of my experience in a tiny home or what I want to use the tiny for. And that's, I think, when you start walking down the path of customization and really thinking about, well, you know, I've got this amount of space and this amount of weight. How can I use this space and weight to really get the thing that I want the most? I guess it also depends on like if someone, because obviously custom design can take like it's a longer process. And then if someone's maybe um, okay to, to maybe go through a longer process versus a matter of weeks or something having their tiny home and it's not that um, yeah definitely and and the thing about the custom builds like we we build a lot of custom tiny homes and each one of them is completely different and it's because the clients are completely different for example some clients might come to us they might not necessarily want to make decisions about things like tapware or where the windows go but they know that they want to create, uh, for example, a tiny that they can rent out that's really luxurious and different to anything else that someone would have access to anywhere else. So that custom brief will be more about me providing something that the customer doesn't actually have to make all those choices themselves, but they want something different. Whereas there might be another custom client that is going to be living in it full time and they need to know that it's going to accommodate their whole life. They've got to know that they've got somewhere to store their coffee grinder or, you know, they might need to have a bath in it, which is not something that would be necessary somewhere else. So it's really about establishing what that brief is for that particular customer and meeting it in that way. Now that might be a quick process through the design it might be one or two conversations or it might be 10 or 12 conversations so the actual design phase could take two weeks or it could take at times a year or two while someone sits on their design and thinks about what's going to work so that's one issue is the design time frame Um, the next issue is the question of how quickly we can make that tiny home And as you know, they only take, you know, probably about six weeks to build, uh, but we've got a really busy workshop. So at the moment, if you wanted a custom tiny home, um, we could probably start building it for you early in January, um, whereas some of the -the off-the-shelf options might come up sooner than that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really good thing to to know. And you were just talking there about, you know, those different decisions, whether it's, you know, thinking about windows and tapware and, and all sorts of things. I mean, for me, this was a really new experience, right, of, of going through this process with you. And there are so many moving parts and layers to da- to designing a tiny home. And I guess it can sometimes get a bit overwhelming because of absolutely decisions and of like, what, where do I start? Like, you know, what do I do? So what would you recommend is the best way to approach the design process from the beginning? So whether it's say someone who is either preparing to start the customer design process with you, or if they may be just kind of dipping their toe in the water, they're doing their research and they're going, okay, well, maybe deciding which company they want to work with, but also thinking about, well, how if I want to customise, where can I start? 
Yeah, or even if someone's building it themselves and they're like, well, you know, what should I include and exactly how and where. Yeah. Um, my advice really across the board is for you to really think about what the purpose of the tiny home is. That's the first thing. Um, and you're working back from there. So say the purpose is for you to live in it full time. You have to go, okay, this is going to be my home. What is what is most important to me uh, during the occupation of the tiny home? Like, you know, is it really important to me to have a bath in the evening? Is it really important to me to sit at a table to eat my breakfast? Or do I need to work from home? Or do I need to... You know, we're all different. We live different lives. And so our personal requirements for a small space are going to be very different. The number one thing is to get out of the space of like trying to think of the whole big picture all at the same time and whittle it down to what is your priority for that small amount of space. And from there, if you keep referring to that, it helps you make decisions along the way. Like if you get a bit stuck in something you can always remember it's like a a self-brief oh no the tiny is for this this is the first thing I need to be able to do in this space and then then it flows on just like anything that we do really it's kind of breaking it down into these more manageable parts as well and and like you say like the things just start to flow from there and things open up and then you make one decision which then flows onto the next and then all of a sudden you're like oh I've just designed a whole tiny home and uh, oh, definitely yeah. definitely and also to be able to use um the expertise of of the people around you or the people who are building the tiny for you to help you with that process so I've got a lot of clients going at any particular time and they're all very different to each other and some of them will have a very clear idea of exactly what they want to build and they might have a background in design or an interest in it and so um, they've got kind of the language to talk about how to design it whereas some of our customers come to us and they're like well you know, they might show me a couple of pictures of things that they like, but they don't have that background. And so that's what I'm here for. Like I'm here to guide people through that process to help them articulate what it is they actually want and then help them meet it. Like I've got experience building tinies. I've drawn up like over 100. We've built over 60 that I've drawn. So I can really comfortably say, oh, have you thought about maybe trying this or do you think maybe this is going to be more important for you or do you think this will make you more comfortable? And also referring to people in your life, like with your ideas for the tiny, people people will be able to give you direction if, if you converse and talk and communicate about what you're doing. I feel like I probably fit into that second part of people that you talked about. So I don't like this isn't was a new experience. I don't have a background in design and some of the terminology I hadn't heard before was just maybe not something that was so familiar to me. But you did really help me every step of the way, like when I wasn't really sure about I know cladding was a very much a a thing right up until the end and just, you know, all sorts of stuff. But yeah, I definitely love that you said, you know, I mean, this is what you do for a living and you've done it so many times and you've helped so many different kinds of people uh, create many different custom designs so well that's the part of it that's really fun right like that's the part where um you know for me my my position I get to talk to these different kinds of people and and really understand 
what it is that's important to them and kind of guide them through the bits and pieces they might be less familiar with. And it's very satisfying to have someone that you've gone through this process with walk through their tiny and love it. It really is a collaborative process and it's not just between like me and the client, but it's also, you know, our incredible workshop building these incredible buildings on wheels that just comes together uh, into this fabulous object, which is really like a crystallisation of, of what someone wanted but maybe couldn't articulate. So, yeah, it's very satisfying and, and it is definitely, I think, one of the most interesting parts of of the whole tiny building process is that really um, fleshing things out with the customer. Yeah, and I can imagine like seeing you know, an, an idea at the start transform into someone's dream, you know, like some something that they're going to be able to call a place that they're able to call home and have their own essence and, and personalization in it. I, I can imagine that would be really satisfying. And it is. And it might be something different to that too. Like it, it might be a, a creation of, of a home place or it might be a creation of a workspace or a rest space or, um, you know, we've got a lot of customers that, you know, might have family staying in their mm-hmm. tiny or they might want to rent them out and have, you know, economic considerations in mind. And yeah, just figuring that out with people is is really interesting and fun. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when you were helping me with my custom design, you know, my main value was to create a healthy home environment with as many natural features as possible. And, you talked about and, and you helped me navigate this and you talked about three different aspects to consider an approach when designing a, a healthy home environment. And I know that many of my listeners also have this as a, as a key value. So are you able to share a bit more about these aspects? It's not kind of like a greater theory that I have. That uh, It's more to do with if you've got uh, our environment and the idea of a healthy lifestyle or healthy living as a priority for you, which I think, you know, most people do these days. I think we're kind of, we're we're a little bit more aware of our place on the earth these days than we were maybe last generation or the generation before. Yeah. And I think um, it's important to think about that in a couple of different ways when you're planning your lifestyle and also your tiny home journey or your tiny house journey. I think the clearest way to talk about it is kind of starting from the immediate creation of space, like a room, and kind of taking it out further and further from that. So my first way of thinking about it is um, if you're interested in healthy living, what does that actually mean for you? Like does that mean that you have a particular physical and mental requirement from your space? Like do you need particular materials to be around you or not be around you? Do you need a particular amount of light or fresh air or, um, you know, do you have to be hypervigilant about mould or, you know, everyone's different and their requirements might be different. So that's my first my first point of reference, I suppose, to do with healthy living is what does that actually mean to you as a human kind of animal? And then you can kind of go out beyond that one step further and think about the position of the tiny home in its immediate environment. So we've thought about you as a human in the tiny home as an environment. Then think about the tiny home uh, on site. 
how does it affect the place that it's in and how does the place affect it? Are you capitalising on the light that's available to you and the sunlight and um, breezes that might come through your block? Are you picking them up and using them? That, That kind of consideration, just site consideration. How are you affecting the place where you are? How are you managing your waste where you are and how is that affecting your immediate environment? And then I guess lastly, you kind of go out one step further and look at the tiny and yourself and the building of the tiny in a much bigger context of, you know, it's it's place on the planet really you know what have you built it out of where did those materials come from how were they treated how far did they have to be transported like these are all environmental considerations and I think if we're going to be conscious of our place in our environment we have to think about it in all of those ways at the same time for different customers different elements of those considerations will be more important than others. And it's just about kind of really talking about that and and placing emphasis where it's due. Yeah. So deciding which one of those is your priority and then kind of just working it out from there. Yeah, working it out from there, but just considering it mindfully. Like you don't you don't choose a material just because it's got a stamp that says that it's eco. Like, is that enough? Like, mm-hmm. what does it mean that it's eco? Where where was it made? Or like, was it made in the most wonderfully environmentally sustainable way on the other side of the earth, mm-hmm. and then flown here in an aeroplane? Like, mm-hmm. does that make it a product that we need to use? So it's kind of just really um, thinking realistically about these things and and making smart choices about what we use and how and what our effect is on our place. I think that really helped me to sort of navigate and prioritise as well, like kind of laying those things out because there are so many things and sometimes stuff that we don't necessarily consider straight away, like what you're saying is it could have been something could have been made in the in the most environmentally friendly way but then the cost of transport and water and all sorts of other um and and gas and you know all all sorts of things to travel to get it to you to then be a part of your tiny home and it's like do we want to contribute to that and I'm just wondering as well, like in terms of, say, the planning stage, so I know for you, you, you there, there was a few things you said to me about whether it's researching, like, you know, looking for inspiration online, um, whether it's, you know, different cladding ideas or different interiors or whatever it might be. If someone's, you know, wanting to sort of plan um, a little bit of their design, like what are other types of things or what, what kind of things would you would you recommend them do? along those lines in terms of fleshing out um kind of what they want out of a tiny or yeah yeah and I think just maybe bringing all the different ideas together because you can get inspiration from maybe like someone else's home or something that you see online or all sorts of places so if they're wanting to kind of plan and like come to you with all these different ideas so that it helps to give you uh I, I guess more of a picture of of what they might be looking for I think I can't really speak to the process if someone's self-building or um, or going through a different kind of process. But in terms of, of coming to me and, and going through that design process with us at Tiny Homes and, you know, really customising something, 
people come to me with funny things sometimes, you know, like they might they might show me a particular um, photo of a spot on their site that they really love and they're like, this is like I want this but in a tiny house. Whereas other people might come to me and say, you know, oh, no, I want this cladding painted in this colour. You know, it's it's the stimulus that people bring to me is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's all useful because whatever someone collects, they might collect five or six different mm-hmm. pictures of very different kinds of th- things. They're all going to give me an enormous amount of information about what that client actually wants out of the end product. So it doesn't matter if it's not a specific direction it's all kind of atmospheric look at what we're trying to achieve so I think on that front people should just think about pictures or examples of spaces that they really like and it doesn't have to be tiny home spaces it could be other things as well Um, because that tells me a lot about like you know light and air and quality and what people want from shelter And then, you know, there's practical considerations like, you know, do they have storage preferences? Like do they have a bin at home in their kitchen that they really love using because it's really practical and they know that it keeps everything tidy? Do you know what I mean? Like um, different people will come up with different sorts of things. So I think it comes down to everyone being different, but um, just be lateral in your research. And and if you're coming to me to discuss the the tiny home, I'm going to ask you what it's for and then I'm going to ask you to, like, throw at me um, anything that makes you feel excited about meeting that need mm-hmm. and then we'll talk about it from there. Like, that's the whole process. And what about if... You mentioned before about full-time living versus part-time use, but what about if someone wants to be off-grid versus on-grid or maybe even have the hybrid option of of both when mm. it comes to the resources? So are there any considerations or different factors to think about when it comes to that? Definitely. So you're basically looking at how you're getting water and electricity into your tiny and then what you're doing with your waste um, are your two big questions. Most of the people who are at the design phase with me already have an idea of where they want to put their tiny home. There are a number of clients who don't know before we start the design process. What we do in that direction will depend a little bit on where the client sits on that front. So, for example, if someone comes to me, they know they want to live in their tiny, um, and this is a familiar scenario, they know they want to live in a tiny they know they want to be conscious of their footprint, but they're not necessarily sure where they're going to park it yet. We need to accommodate um, the inclination to kind of use solar power and not create too much waste. So, for example, using a compost toilet. But we also need to think about the prospect that maybe things will be available on the site that are being used in the end. So, Um, maybe you will want a flushing toilet down the line. Let's install a compost toilet and just create the plumbing there in case you want to swap out later. All the circumstances are going to be different depending on the job. I think in another interview you had with Grant, he's already spoken quite extensively about the solar trailers that we make. So if someone doesn't want to use mains electricity we can provide a solar trailer, which basically plugs in in the same way that mains electricity would. So it doesn't necessarily change the function of the tiny home itself, but it's an option for kind of taking you 
um, off-grid in a sense that you're not connecting to council electricity. They're all options, like you're deciding if you're using solar or mains electricity, you're deciding if you're using a flushing toilet or a compost toilet, and then you're deciding about whether you want that to be the permanent way of using that tiny or if you want to build in the capacity for change down the the line. Yeah, and I I found it quite helpful as well to be able to do that because I just like what you were talking about before, I was one of those people where my parking space it changed or it w- wasn't completely locked in until later down the process once we'd all w- once we'd gone through the whole process and so to have that option of um, putting in a composting toilet as well as having that little connection to if i needed to depending on the availability of what's on the land to plug into um to sewage and, and that kind of thing i think yeah it's really a, a great thing to consider if you can have like both options yeah it gives you a bit of flexibility if the idea of flexibility is something that suits you. Like some people might like to keep the idea of perhaps selling their tiny in the future open. Uh, So they might want more options on that front to make sure that more people have access to the use of the tiny. So that's one thing to think about. That kind of stuff is really quite site-specific. We make the tinies and then it's up to the customer to make sure that that you know, it's on site properly and, and it's going to be managed on site properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can help with that, with the information that we have at hand. What about, so if we move a little bit into just some of the more, uh, the features of, of a home, a tiny home. So yeah. when it comes to things like the layout and the floor plan, how can people start to think about this aspect of designing their home? Uh, I think a good start is to jump online or, um, you know, find access to pictures and other people's experiences. Um, You get fabulous ideas for movement through a small space by looking at pictures of how other people have organised space. Um, So, for example, if you jump on our website, you can have a look at our off-the-shelf models. Um, There's lots of photos up there. If you're having a look through them, you might look at them and go, oh, I like that ground floor bedroom. That suits me because I can't walk up and down stairs and ladders into a loft. Or, you know, you might see a particular bathroom layout and go, yeah, that really suits, you know, the space that I need when I'm in the shower or access to the toilet or whatever it might be. When you see it in a picture, it's really easy to go, that that looks comfortable. The best starting point is, is looking online to see what fits with that self-brief in mind, what's important to me. I know for me with with my home, we kind of flip things around a little bit because of some of the the um, features that I wanted to have when it came to like electrical wiring and stuff like that. So yeah. And what I what I was pleasantly surprised with when I was working with you, I thought, oh gosh, I don't know how we're going to actually do all of this stuff. And then you actually just made it all work, uh, which was really <laughs> amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think that just comes down to, it comes down to the experience thing yeah. and knowing what's kind of uh, what is flexible and what's not flexible. So I get this a lot in, in design meetings. Um, customers will be really worried about how the tiny is going to get into its position on on site, like they're really hung up on the question of where the tow bar is and, and how the car is going to pull it into position, that kind of thing, because they know because we're building a caravan 
we've got certain requirements and we need to have a door curbside or on the rear, you know, these things are in people's mind. And a lot of the time I just have to say, okay, just take a step back. This is the bit that I've got lots of experience working on. So tell me what you actually want. Leave it with me to try and figure out a solution and I'll make a suggestion. And sometimes it works really well. And I think with your tiny, it it really has come out quite well in that respect because I think there were some areas where you're a little bit stuck on kind of going, oh, how are we going to actually do this? Like I know I want it but I don't think I can have it. And it was just a matter of me sitting down and going, well, oh, maybe we move this over here and we do a little bit of this and that and then we end up with a solution that actually works. So I think that's, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in customization. You don't have to pick a floor plan that someone else has done. You can use one as a starting point and shift it around and I can help with that shift. You mentioned before talking about like ground floor bedroom versus loft. So are you able to talk just like a bit more about those considerations? Because for, like, for example, with my tiny, I wanted to be able to, like I've got a loft and I wanted to be able to stand up and not have to crouch down all the time. So we created a landing. But can you talk a bit more about like some of those nuances for people? Yeah, so um, that'll always come down to that first priority question. Like, um, is it important for you to stand up next to the bed and to be able to get to the bathroom easily in the middle of the night? One of the most wonderful and fun aspects of tiny homes for me from the outset and probably still is just this fabulous like cubby sensation of getting into a loft. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the exciting aspect of that that use of space, I think. that It's like a childish enjoyment that endures. Like we still, <laughs> visitors to the showroom, they love going up into lofts. They're like, oh, am I allowed up there, you know? <laughs> But then, you know, you've got to take that excitement um, and that sense of adventure and and fun um, and make sure that it's actually going to work. Like if you've got a sore knee, a ladder at a steep incline is not going to work. So we talk about, you know, stretching the stairs out and making the rises a little bit more comfortable and, and that kind of thing. Or if getting up and down is really going to be a headache, go for a ground floor bedroom, keep life really simple, make it a more traditional space fitted into a tiny home footprint. So it's really about properly considering what's actually going to work and being realistic about it like you might love the idea of a pretty loft with like wonderful plants coming over the end and you know you've seen a picture of it on Instagram and it looks amazing and you think it's going to be a wonderful rental for example you've got to consider that that might be hard for potential renters to climb up into or, you know, someone might blunder off it and hurt themselves. Who knows? Um, Maybe that's not the best solution for you Um, and that's something that I can talk with you about. There's also often compromises, like you might want loft sleeping, like you mentioned in yours there's a, a landing. So you can have loft sleeping but drop the loft to the side of the bed down into the living space a little bit so you can still stand up next to the bed, you know, get dressed or get a drink of water in the night or easily get to the bathroom. So the wonderful, wonderful byproduct of going custom is that those sorts of really elemental aspects of the tiny can be shifted for your build. The roof 
uh, lining as well was it was a consideration too I guess when you're when you're looking at the loft too whether you're going for like a pitched or a skillion or something like that that can also open up more space and yeah and wanting flexibility around that you know like the spot where you're putting the tiny might have a particular view out in one direction and you want to sit in a loft bed looking at that view so it's really great for me to be able to go oh well let's pitch the roof so the high end's over here and you can sit up in bed and have a coffee and look out that fabulous window at the view whereas um something off the shelf might be a little bit more restrictive than that what about uh i know the kitchen is often well for i guess for people if they like cooking it it can often be a center point focus of of a tiny home in some cases um what about any key considerations around designing a kitchen? Um, In the kitchen, I think the big thing that I would talk to someone about who really loves cooking is about what, how they cook. Some people who love cooking are very (laughs) methodical and have everything in their place and they don't take up a lot of bench space, for example, whereas someone else might like to have lots of pots on the go and like a salad over here and something else over there. Mm -hmm. So that will tell me how much storage we need to create for appliances. It'll tell me how much bench space we have to prioritise at the expense of, say, floor space. It tells us a little bit about appliances a lot of the time people think that they need a four burner cooktop in their tiny home and you'll say okay so how many do you use at one time uh generally and I promise you nine times out of ten they're like oh actually probably two you're like well is one of them a walk like is it going to take up all that space do you really need the four burners (laughs) and this is a common conversation people like oh oh Probably not. You know, probably the bench space is more important than those two burners. That's the kind of give and take kind of conversation that you have around those things. And it might be the kitchen, you know, someone's passion might be cooking, in which case that's, you know, where we're going to prioritise that conversation. Someone else's thing might be reading or or working or, or, or using the space in a different capacity. And that in that situation, we would make, you know, the couch space like our real focus, like how are we going to get that right? And, you know, it's it's from that that we talk about what should be included, what can we get rid of to, to really make the most of the thing that's important. Yeah, and what about the bathroom? Because I know from when, you, when we were talking, you said, do you, are you do you want to have a bigger space or would you prefer to allocate that space more to maybe the living area and have a smaller bathroom? So just, yeah, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we've got, um, well, we have made all sorts of different bathroom layouts and it all starts from what we need to do in there. Like is it just a bathing space uh, and for how many people or do you need laundry facilities in there as well? Um, so that's one of the big things. We'll kick the bathroom out to make it a bit bigger if people need to fit a washing machine in there or, you know, extra cupboard space for towels or something like that. And then there's also like the physical size of the person using the space. So the smaller bathrooms that we use um, generally have, for example, a 900 by 900 shower, which I find really comfortable. 
But, you know, we've got some clients that are physically bigger than that and need more space to be able to wash their hair comfortably. So we'll kick the shower out to 1,200 and give them a little bit more room. So, you know, there's a lot of flexibility around that and it's just about really making sure that we know what we need from it and only using what we actually need. Yeah, because it is a... You know, it's already a small space being a tiny home, so it is about having that efficiency of of space and what's most important and where people are going to spend most time and, and all sorts of things like that. And you mentioned as well before about like if someone's maybe more wanting to centre their, um, I guess, their daily life or the way that they use the space more around, say, like the lounge space and, and creating that sort of comfy environment there. Are you able to speak a bit more about considerations for lounge space? Some people like reclining and some people like sitting upright. Like these are basic, this sounds like basic, (laughs) but sometimes we don't think about it, we just do it, right? So, you know, that's that's the kind of conversation I'd have. Like if if reading is really important to you, like what do you look forward to? Do you like curl up on the couch with your feet up and do you have like a meal on the couch or do you have like a cup of tea next to you or like do you need bench space there or a table or do you need to be able to put things away there you know do you work on a laptop in that space but you don't like looking at electrical things do you need to be able to put that away into a tidy storage area Um, it's really about function and the reason why those conversations are quite important I think is because sometimes we make assumptions about the space that we use that we should let go of to make the tiny home really awesome. So, uh, for example, if you go back to the bathroom question, someone might think that they need a bigger bathroom because they want an open feeling in the bathroom. And that's where I'll kind of jump in and go, well, you know, you can get that open feeling from, you know, putting interesting skylights in or creating uh, a different mechanism of ventilation, so you're feeling the fresh air in the space. There are other ways to achieve the things that we want if we're able to articulate what we want. Yeah, because uh, there are so many things, like you say, sometimes we don't think about things and I know that because, you know, you've you've had so much experience and doing this in so many different ways with people that you like once you get an understanding of what someone's looking for there are so many suggestions that you can make and I know that that was definitely experience for me it really helped to to navigate through things and and maybe solving different problems and and how could this fit in with that and and all those kinds of things and I'm I'm wondering as well because in a tiny home because the space is so small and kind of having to be more efficient in the way that you use it and maybe even ha- having things that are multi-purpose, like different features that are multi-purpose, uh, such as storage. So can you talk a little bit more about the storage considerations? I guess it's just about not wasting anything really is how I come at storage. So you don't want to recreate a traditional space in terms of storage. Like you don't just put cupboards in and then decide what to fill them with later. You do it purposefully. So particularly for customers who are living in their tinies, but also for people who are using them for other things too, you just got to talk about what is this storage aspect being used for? Like are we using the space under the bed that we've built in for you? Are you going to put your clothes in there or is it for 
off-season linen or is it for your cleaning products? Like, And then organising the space to accommodate that in a comfortable way. And then also looking at areas of the tiny that maybe haven't been used effectively and finding a use for it. So sometimes there's a nook or a cranny or a corner um, which you hadn't really thought about before where you can go, oh, actually, we could pop a cupboard in there. (laughs) You know, like we don't need to use that space to move through the space. Let's use it to put something away so that the space is clear and open and easy. Mm. And I guess it also is like, well, how much stuff do you actually need to store? And I know we didn't put heaps and heaps of storage in mind, but then other people might need a lot of storage or they might, you know, have uh, certain hobbies or whatever it might be. Or like you were talking about before, even like kitchen appliances that need need storage too. So I think through our conversations, you'd really already put a lot of thought into just like conceptually the idea of downsizing, you know, from from a kind of philosophical point of view, like this is a, a getting rid of extraneous stuff kind of process. And for a lot of the customers that we have that are living in the tiny, that's they've already gone through a lot of that in their mind before I'm talking to them. Like they already know what they want to get rid of and what they want to house or, you know, if they want to create storage somewhere else near their tiny for the stuff that they don't use every day. And that can be a really wonderful process. There are others that come to us who haven't really tackled that one yet. And that can be a real challenge, you know, like ordering a tiny and knowing knowing that you've created space for, you know, one cupboard's worth of clothes and you might at home have three just because there were three cupboards there and you've lived there for 20 years and you filled them up. Like what are you going to get rid of? So it's definitely a consideration, but um, it it can be a really wonderful consideration, that paring down, because what you're doing is is crystallising what's really important to you and that's that can be a really wonderful process and it can be a really enjoyable way of being in a space to have gone through the difficulty of getting rid of all the extra stuff and just really enjoying the thing that y- you personally enjoy the most. Mm, absolutely. I'm glad that you you said that, actually. It's a really good point. And that whole downsizing and, and min- minimal, gosh, it's a tongue twister, minimalist living is is definitely, I mean, it's not, from speaking to so many different people as well that are either living tiny or going, it's not for every single person, but often it does come hand in hand with tiny living. And it's just a, I guess, a reassessing of what's most important and what actually do you need, how much material stuff do you want to have. So yeah, it's not necessarily to do with like this hard line getting rid of anything extraneous. I see it more as this opportunity for us to really think about, you know, what we really love in a space or in our lifestyle and really like putting our energy and focus into that. Mm. Like that's such a wonderful opportunity. I love that. Yeah. An opportunity. Yeah, it's not getting rid of something. It's emphasising something. Yes. And uh, so, you know, cladding, that's obviously a really key feature of a tiny home and often is what we will get to see first because we see it from the from the outside. And I know for when we were going through that process, for me, there was a lot of back and forth and I wasn't really clear about things and, and you really helped me get to a point where I was able to, to 
well, we were able to create something that I was really happy with that, that I felt like was like the essence of what, what I wanted to to convey and what I wanted to my tiny to look like. And so are you able to just talk a bit more about approaching cladding and, and how people can start to think about that? Yeah, definitely. I'm really glad that's been your experience, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, how much of your tiny journey you'll be sharing, but your tiny looks beautiful from the outside and it's really on account of a lot of choices that you made about materials and how they're treated. So, yeah, it was a fun process to work on with you and I think the outcome is really actually quite spectacular. So cladding, cladding for me, I see it's it for people who aren't in built land, it's it's what is wrapping your tiny. So what you're looking at from the outside, the material that covers the outside walls of the tiny. Um, and for me, I think about that at the same time often that I'm thinking about the actual form of it, like what's the roof line like and how big is it? Because what you're thinking about is what it what does this little building look like from the outside, both from the distance and up close. Because we're building caravans and we've got really strict weight restrictions, uh, we're actually quite restricted in terms of what we can clad the tiny homes with and also what we can line them with on the inside. So we're really aiming for lightweight materials as much as possible. And if you go for something that's a little bit heavier, we've got to kind of offset it with light things too. So as an example, you might look at using, you know, a colour bond custom orb, which is that kind of corrugated iron look. It's fabulously light and can look brilliant. Um, we often use a couple of different steel products like a, a Dominion is another profile of steel, which kind of has a quite modern architectural look to it. If you want kind of more natural materials, we love to use cedar because it's spectacularly beautiful and even more spectacularly light. <laughs> and that can be oiled or left to silver off. We also use materials that we can paint, WeatherTex, hardy in small amounts because it's quite heavy. So it really depends on the size of the tiny and, and what kind of look you're going for what materials we'll choose to clad it with. And I can really help with that. I would usually suggest if you're not sure which direction to go in and, and looking at pictures of other tinies hasn't kind of made you go, oh, I want one like that. You can just find pictures of, you know, houses that you like or the outside of buildings that have really struck your eye. And if they're materials that we don't build out of, um, I can make suggestions for how to kind of achieve that feeling or that look with what we have at our disposal. That's really great advice. And I think that because the cladding is such a major aspect of a tiny house that, again, it can, I know from my experience, it can be a little bit daunting. And, and even if you know something that you like the look of, being able to bring it into, um, bringing to life like what it is that you're you're trying to achieve and what, what you want it to look like in the end goal, it can be overwhelming as well. And, and it's great to kind of have you there to make different suggestions, have you thought about this and 
I, I actually really love that cladding process, uh, but I did find that it was maybe possibly one of the hardest parts for me, I would say, just because I wasn't clear, but then you helped me get there. So I appreciate that. And I think that, yeah, that's really great advice for, for anyone that's that's navigating the, the cladding. Sometimes that process can take a little while. It might be cladding that's your sticking point or it might be, you know, the layout of the bathroom or whatever it is that, that takes a little while to get to the bottom of and make it right. Sometimes it's a bit of back and forth where we come back to you and say, how about this or how about this, option A or option B, and you can be like, oh, definitely not option B. Like sometimes it's a matter of struggling off to get you closer to the thing that works. And if you go back and forth enough, you end up in the right place. And uh, I guess that's kind of our process here, I think, in a lot of construction areas um, through a design process, you'll have like a set amount of conversations you can have before it ends up being expensive, for example. Whereas with us, we kind of work a little bit differently. We just go back and forth until it's right. Which I think is really amazing because I can imagine how much work you know, go, goes into what I know just from my end that so many layers, but then I can only imagine, you know, all the back and forth that you're you're dealing with. And I think I really appreciate that about what you guys do because I, I, I feel like not a lot of other companies are, are doing it like that. And you already mentioned earlier on in the conversation, you talked about how you love, uh, you know, working with people and, and moving through, uh, you know, their different ideas and creating the design from that but is there anything else that you love most about working with people on designing their house that's it really that's that's the biggest thing it's so interesting to talk to different people about what's important to them about space and what makes them comfortable and then uh, for me as a designer to be able to step back from that and take the absolute constraints of a small space and a small weight allowance and really try to think laterally about how you can meet those needs with limited resources, that's a really enjoyable process for me. It makes me every day at work have to think about the fundamentals of of design and space, of light and air and physical comfort and sight and um, I think that's a real luxury for a designer to get to get to you know exercise that part of the brain every single day (laughs) and also to talk to really interesting people who are really passionate about what they're doing like our customers are generally come to us they're generally pretty adventurous you know like they're they're going down an, an often untrodden path going tiny um, so they're a bit adventurous. They've got particular ideas about things and, and that's fascinating. It's a really interesting process. And it's very satisfying to work through that process with someone. And as I said earlier, have our workshop actually bring it to life as as impeccably as they do is is really fantastic. Sounds like you're going on a, a different journey every single time with every single person that you're working with, which must just be absolutely yeah, yeah so interesting. Yeah. What about some of the most challenging parts, like you know, challenging design problems that you have to solve? That is a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think 
from a design perspective, the most challenging thing for me, and this is kind of perhaps a little nitty gritty, but because you're working in a small space, uh, nothing is hidden. And it means that you want to make things, you've got to really pay attention to detail in a way where kind of if you don't in a bigger setting, it might be forgiven, if that makes sense. So wherever you are in a tiny, for example, wherever you're sitting or standing and looking out, like you can generally see all the windows at the same time Um, or, you know, you'll see all of the architraves or all of the bits and pieces. You see the whole paint job up close because you're physically standing there up close to it, you know, like nothing's hidden by distance or space. Um, And so from a design perspective, that's challenging because you want to make sure that things line up really beautifully and function is accommodated in in a really aesthetically satisfying way. I guess I'm really lucky that, that the things that I work on with clients go to a workshop where the people building these tinies have such a care and an incredible um, energy for making them beautiful and quality and right. You know, when we pay attention to those little things through the design process, it actually comes to life as well. So that is definitely a challenge, but I think we meet it. I'm, I'm really quite proud. Uh, of how we meet it when I walk through the tinies I'm like you know this is this is pretty good (laughs) yeah Yeah. and and for sure you should be proud like what the the end product is just so stunning and yeah and going from that idea to to and having it manifest in the way that it does it's really amazing oh definitely and it's a testament to to our our builders our builders and trades that, that are putting these timings together are are impeccable. They're incredible. Yeah. Um, and the timings last and they're beautiful as a result. Yeah, and you do a really great job as the, you know, designing it. It's so fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, you know, as we start to close out the conversation today, Danielle, I'm just wondering, is there anything you feel like we haven't covered that might be important to share with our listeners or anything else that you wanted to just finish off sharing? The biggest point I have is think about what you want to use the timing for and always through every step of the way make your decisions based on that end-use idea. Maybe another thing people can really think about is where they're putting the tiny and and how they want to prepare for its arrival because that's something that that the owner of a tiny needs to arrange themselves, you know. So that's something that I can help help with a bit and offer some guidance and, um, you know, if anyone here can help with it, we do. But it's definitely worth thinking about that from the outset. Yeah, hopefully we can help through the whole process of, picking out whether you want a custom or something off the shelf and then getting the tiny that's really going to suit the circumstances. And if someone is interested in finding out more or maybe wanting to actually book in for a custom design process with you or even just buying a tiny off the shelf, where's the uh, best place that they can go and we can put it in the show notes? Have a look at our website, of course, designerecotinyhomes.com.au. Um, and there's a lot of information on there, both about the tinies that we make off the shelf and also the custom process and tiny homes that we build. We have a showroom in Ulladulla, 
376 Princess Highway and we're open weekdays 9.30 to 3.30. You can come down any time that we're open and just walk through the tinies that we've got on show. Inevitably, there's a couple of customs and a couple of off-the-shelf options for you to have a look at. So you can have a look at the quality of the build and have a chat with Kylie who manages our sales about what might be available or what timeframes are. And then if you get a bit further along the process um, and, you know, Kylie's answered your questions about timeframes and prices and all that kind of stuff, you might want to have a chat with me about your design ideas and that's fine too. You can call anytime. Our number's on the website. Ask any questions you have and we'll help in any way we can. Perfect. I will put a link in the show notes to the Designer Eco website. And also you mentioned earlier in the conversation my episode with Grant. So that was uh, episode number 33. So you can find those show notes at tinyhouseconversations.com. Danielle, thank you so much for being here. It's been really great to to chat with you and go through this process. And I also just want to say thank you so much for all that you've helped me with through my own tiny house design process. It has been such a a rich experience I feel and just really exciting to sort of see you know what we started with come to life and I and I just really want to say like I think you do a fantastic job and nothing is too hard sometimes you know when I think oh, I've got all these different questions or all these different things that you know I, I wanted to try and see if we can do and nothing's ever too hard and you've always been really really helpful so thank you for that and also thank you for sharing everything today and for your time. Oh, that's okay. It's our pleasure. These questions, like that's the job. Like that's that's what's good about what we do. You know, that that process has been an absolute pleasure for me and for us in the workshop as well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, any question is a good question. <laughs> There's no stupid questions. No stupid <laughs> questions. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, and if you're listening to us at home, thank you for being here. As always, make sure you go check out what Designer Eco Tiny Homes is doing and stay tuned every Thursday for new episodes of Tiny House Conversations. I'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation today, you found it valuable and you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share the love. That way I can keep bringing you more tiny house conversations to help you on your own tiny journey. So here are three ways that you can support the podcast. Number one, if you have a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from hearing these conversations, feel free to share it with them, email them, text them, send them a telegram, do whatever you need to do to share it with them. Number two, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll know exactly when the next episode is live. And number three, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.